When you meet someone, do you wonder about their story? If you're like me, you're always interested in the lives, hopes, and dreams of people. Stories Connect People podcast will bring you interesting, inspiring, and compelling stories from people just like you and me. Stories that will inspire you. They'll make you laugh. You'll learn. They might even make you cry. But above all, you will feel connected and closer to the people around you. You may see yourself in these stories. You may feel connected because you share similarities in your own journey. There are rich, interesting stories closer than you think, maybe even yours. Thank you for listening to Stories Connect People. I am Polly Van Duzer, your host. My guest today on Stories Connect People podcast is Georgia Dean. Georgia's work and mission is to empower those incarcerated and provide them with the practice and tools to help recover from their trauma. Much of the basis of this is yoga. Practicing yoga can help free one from feelings of depression about the past and feelings of anxiety about the future. It is especially healing for those that have been through trauma. Georgia said we all have experienced trauma at some level in our life. As a child, Georgia's father was in prison and later her brother fell into a life of crime. Through yoga, she began to experience her own healing. She founded Live Free Yoga Organization, something that has never been done before. It is a groundbreaking program focused on bringing a yoga teacher certification to incarcerated people. Georgia is making a difference in the lives of people when likely everyone else has given up on them. You will see her love, passion, and heart for those as she strives to use movement and mindfulness to help those in the system and teens impacted by their parents' incarceration. Welcome, Georgia, to Stories Connect People podcast. Hello, Georgia. How are you today? Welcome to Stories Connect People podcast. Hi, Polly. Thank you so much for having me on. It is delightful to be here. Yeah, it's so great to have you here. And I'll just start by how we were connected. And I've been um, so excited about uh, bringing your story to my listeners. So I was introduced um, to you through Ron Farmer. Um, He and his wife, Julie, I interviewed Julie Farmer in a podcast um, a couple of months back. And her podcast is fantastic. But um, she and her husband, Ron, are uh, big fans of Stories Connect People podcast. And um, I know that uh, you know. Ron, and he said, I would love to introduce you to Georgia, and uh, I think she would make a great guest for the podcast. And Stories Connect People podcast is all about people who are interesting, inspiring, and uplifting, and are doing great things to make the world a better place. And that is why he wanted me to bring um, you to bring your story to the podcast today. Wow. Um, I'm big fans <laughs> of the farmers, too. And to, you know, um, be on a podcast like this is really just quite an honor. So thank you so much for having me on. 
<laughs> yes. Well, that's great. So, uh, Georgia, the work that you are doing, uh, and I want to start with your just a little bit about uh, your background and kind of set the stage for us, because I think that it um, shapes the story for where you are today. But um, you got into yoga years ago, right? And you have taken that love and passion uh, for yoga and incorporated that into your life and your work and your mission. And um, so I'm really excited to talk about that with you. So um, why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about you and your background, maybe where you grew up, and we'll get into the work that you're doing with, um, with uh, those that are incarcerated and how uh, you are helping uh, re rehabilitation and transformation through your uh, yoga program. Yeah. Okay. So... Um... A little bit about my background that um, well, I grew up in Stone Mountain, Georgia, so I'm a Georgia native. Me too. We don't uh, see that often, but that's great. Yes. Um, and I spent a little bit of time in Austin, Texas, which is where I first started practicing yoga about a decade ago. Um, and I, when I found yoga, I had been suffering from... Um, an eating disorder and some um, some depression. I just had never really felt that great um, at all. And I started doing yoga and as a way to kind of work out, I saw it as like a way to lose weight and it was like something that was really feeding my eating disorder in a way. Um, and yoga like quickly shifted into something that was um, more than a workout. It became more about my mental health rather than my physical health, although my physical health was still a piece of it. And so, and and also about my spiritual health and and growing in a connection with um, with God. And I continued down this path of yoga for about four years, five years, and. About five years in is when I had a pretty traumatic experience. My um, husband and I, my ex-husband and I got a divorce and it was very challenging. And so I dove into my um, yoga practice even deeper. I started to do more yoga. I started to want to learn more about it and connect with that community. It was very healing for me. Um, and I started to realize that I was feeling so much better. A lot of my negative self-talk that had contributed to my depression, my anxiety, and my eating disorder um, had just, it was like I was no longer plagued by them. And I wanted to know why. Why was this happening? Why was I feeling so much better? Um, and so I chose to study yoga as a yoga teacher and do a training to um see like how and why was yoga making these changes for me um because i knew i'm really interested in it because i don't know really anything about yoga i've had a desire to take a yoga class but i haven't done it yet um and but i know that there's so much just peace that people feel when doing it and it just like kind of feeds their soul and so i'm I would really uh, like for you to talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so as I started learning more about yoga, I did a couple of trainings 
and the neuroscience of yoga. So like what's going on in our brains and our physiological systems when we're practicing that can make us feel that peace like you're talking about. And in our brains, we have two networks, okay? And one network is called the default mode network. And that's where most of us are all the time. That's where we have this self-referential thinking. That's where we might like replay something over and over and over again, like a conversation makes us feel very anxious. And um, the other part of our brain is the default mode network. Okay. And this is a set of structures that are rather task positive network. So you have the default mode. That's like the part that spins out of control and the task positive, which is what comes online when we're involved in something right now in the present moment. The default mode is kind of like the computer screensaver. The task positive is like when we're doing something, we're focused right here and now. And so if we have the task positive network activated, the default mode network shuts off and we get rid of our anxiety and depression and self-referential thinking. Um, and so that's what yoga is doing. It is turning on the task positive network, these structures in the brain where we have a higher level of presence. And so like, if you think about what a lot of us struggle with, it's anxiety. And anxiety is a lot of times fretting about what's going to happen in the future. Or depression. And a depression is oftentimes sprung on by something that didn't go right in the past. And so this task positive network is bringing us into the here and the now. So we're not focused on where we're not um, because we can actually do something now. And over time with yoga practice, these networks or these, um, the task positive network actually gets bigger, like those structures in our brain get stronger. And so we can carry this level of peace in the present for longer um, and kind of reside there. You know, you go in and out of it, but it's like training your brain. That's incredible. And you're so right about people being anxious about what's going to happen and depressed depressed about what did happen. And I just love the, the present, the just being present that you're talking about being kind of being in the, in the here and now. So, um, so you did this, um, you know, you got deeper into yoga and wanted to, wanted to study about how it impacts the, the mind and, and all of that. Um, so what then? Um, I started researching and learning more about trauma because I realized that my symptoms, what I had been struggling with were symptoms of trauma and my personal trauma, we all encounter trauma in our lives, but my biggest trauma was that when I was two years old, my father was incarcerated. He was arrested. Um, and he was in prison for the majority of my childhood. And um, during that time, my mom was in her early 20s. She didn't really have an, enough of the tools um, to really take care of my brother and I. We were, you know, two and, and my brother was an infant. And so there was some neglect. And um, so I, I realized through yoga and learning more about yoga that Part of what it's doing, too, is that it's helping us recover from any type of traumatic experience that we've had. And that's also a result of um, what's going on in the body when we practice. 
So physiologically, we have um, a central nervous system, right? And there's the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system is what's activated. That's that fight, flight, or freeze. And so when we are encounter trauma, especially early in life, that system, that fight, flight, or freeze system gets activated. And unless we have some tools, it might not ever get deactivated. You kind of can just stay at a level of hyper arousal. So you're always on alert. You're never feeling safe. Um, it's hard to trust people. Um, there's usually, there's a whole host of symptoms, but the biggest one is that people who've experienced trauma are disconnected from their body. They disassociate from their body. Um, and so they have a hard time getting in touch with their feelings. Um, and can experience things like I mentioned with me having eating disorder because there becomes a lot of body image issues. Um, and so what yoga does is it helps bring people out of the sympathetic nervous system response and into the parasympathetic nervous system. So even if we take like a long deep breath, like a really long, like four or five second inhale, and then a long, slow breath out. That shifts our system from sympathetic to parasympathetic response. That small change, um, that small moment of breath can have a big shift in our internal systems. And that's what yoga is doing. Um, yeah, so I just kept studying. <laughs> I kept studying. Um, and still am trying to understand more about how yoga is working to help people recover from trauma. Um, and that's what led me to to start working in prisons too. Well, well why don't you talk about that? And so you had so you have brought this your kind of your trauma in your childhood and what you went through and and pair that up with yoga that you found to be so helpful for you and what you had gone through. And um, so you started an organization. Um, so when did you start actually um, practicing as a yoga instructor? And then what led you to, um, to you know, finding, I guess, a couple of years ago, uh, founding this organization that uh, works with those that are incarcerated? Um, okay, so I started teaching yoga five years ago now, okay, and I um, taught in the evenings after I got done teaching elementary school. So I was an elementary school teacher, and I would teach yoga in the evenings. And You probably needed the yoga from that, <laughs> from being in the classroom all day. <laughs> the little kids, how sweet. They're super sweet. I was teaching first graders. I'm Oh, I loved them. I loved being a teacher. Um, and I knew that I wanted to try something new. And that's why I left to left teaching in the classroom to teach in the studio full time. So I became a full time yoga teacher. Um, and I'd been doing that for three years now. Um, and last year, when I was teaching classes in the Atlanta area, um, Buckhead, Virginia Highlands, and 
uh, for a studio. And um, last August, my little brother, so I have a brother who's 18 months younger than me. Last August, my brother, who has been in and out of prison for over a decade, was rearrested for the third time. And um, I was feeling it was really sad. Um, and it made me feel really angry, not just at my brother, um, but also at the system, because here's a kid who he had a drug addiction um, starting pretty early in life around, you know, in his early teens, never quite recovered from that. And because of his drug addiction, even though my parents sent him to rehabilitation centers, all sorts of things, um, never recovered from it and ended up committing crimes in order to submit, um, in order to support his drug habit. So he was, um, all of it was wrapped around that. And he did, um, you know, a few year sentence, got out, and then like maybe a year later, committed the same type of crime as a response to his drug habit to get more money to buy drugs and ends up back in prison. And then the second time he was in prison, it was very clear to me that nothing was going on to help him get better. And in fact, he was just learning new criminal behaviors. So while he was in prison, he was actually involved in a scam um, to get money from people that they were carrying out from behind bars with cell phones. And, you know, it 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 is just crazy. Um, and so he got out that second time and immediately started just doing the same scam that he'd been carrying out behind bars. And it's it's hard for me because this is my little brother and I know my little brother. I used to tie his shoes. We played in the woods. Like he's not a bad guy. And because of drugs and because of no rehabilitation from drugs, um, he and because of the system that he's been a part of for you know his entire twenties, he's not even there anymore. It's like he's not even in in there. Um, and so it, he, it's like he's turned into a criminal, and the system has actually like really helped shape him into a better criminal that can carry out even more um, atrocious crimes because this this crimes escalated each time. Are you in contact with him now? No, because the uh, last time that we were in contact, I refused to help him with something. Because, um, I mean, we can get to this later, but I'm I'm not naive in working with people who have committed crimes um, because the experience of my brother. So a lot of times people will say, like, how can you trust your like, how can you go into a prison and work in a prison because they've committed crimes? Well, you have to have a level of understanding that many times people that are in the prison are desperate and are trying to, to do things to make things work and survive. And you can't get sucked into their crime. So, for instance, you know, a person who is behind bars might try and engage you in committing, helping them commit a crime. Like my brother wanted me to pick up money from um, or send money to a random person in South Georgia via Western Union. 
And I'm like, I'm not going to just send money like this obviously is a scam. Um, and, and so you have to have like a, you can't be naive about, um, what people are capable of is, is what I'm saying there. And, and like a level of protection and barrier, um, and, um, between ourselves and, and people who we know are struggling because it's not that my brother is a bad person. It's just that this is a situation that he's in right now. And like, he doesn't know any other way to survive or be in this world. So you have this knowledge about because of your father and your brother. And so you don't go in a naive where someone like me might, um, but you also, I mean, does it give you a level of um, compassion and empathy? And, you know, where some people might be like, I mean, just they're not going to, you know, some people are like, oh, let's do what we can to help them. And others would be like, why help them? And so do you get this, um, you know, because of your experience um, that you've had personally with your own family that gives you a sense of um, just care and empathy and and desire to help them where others may not have that? I think you're right. I think that there is a level of connection and I can see that these people are sisters and brothers and fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. Um, and I also think that what I realized is that my brother's issue is that he has been carrying around this trauma from when he was a child and his father was taken away from him as an infant. I mean, my brother didn't know my dad until he was eight years old, you know, and that is um, a very traumatic experience. And everything that's associated with having a parent that's in prison, um, just, you know, even showing up to school and where's your father? And, you know, you don't even know what to say in that situation. There's a lot of shame around it. Um, and so my brother had this traumatic experience like I had, and he never found a tool to help him work through it. Um, his tool was drugs. That helped him feel better. Right. And while I also toyed around with using drugs, using alcohol, using relationships, eating disorder to distract myself from my trauma, ultimately yoga helped me see that there was something underneath the trauma, that there was a peace underneath the trauma, and that I could start to relax. And um, so what I see when, I, when I'm working with anybody that has experienced a trauma, and that's really all of us in some way or another, um, is that we're all just a little bit afraid, you know? And that a lot of times people who are committing crimes, they're doing it because they're they're afraid and they're in like a survival mode. Um, and so my hope is that by bringing yoga to people who are incarcerated, that we can um, empower them with a practice and tools that can help them find that recovery from their trauma, that sense of safety within themselves so that they can start to make decisions that actually support not only their greatest good, but the greatest good of our society as a whole. 
so talk about, um, you know, when you realized that this could help others. And, and I think you did, you did talk about that a little bit um, by using your passion for yoga. And, and how did, how did that start out? And where are you, you know, what are you doing with um, this organization today? How do you, um, you know, who do you work with? What type of work do you do? How do you even get into a, a prison system? Uh, uh, I'm just curious about all of that. Yeah. Okay. So at first I thought I'm just going to go in and teach yoga classes. Um, and that's what I started out as the intention of Live Free Yoga. That's the name of our organization, Live Free Yoga. Um, that's what I started out um, as the intention of doing. And um, I just started calling people. <laughs> I just started calling people that like were working in prisons, anybody who was working in a prison and asking like, hey, can I come down and teach yoga and meditation? Can I come out and teach some yoga and meditation? Um, and I got a lot of no's, <laughs> like a whole lot of no's because they're like, why would we let you come in and teach yoga? What what this seems like more of a pain than um, anything else because it's a security risk to have anybody else come in. Um, finally, I uh, reached out to one prison chaplain. So the prison chaplain is in charge of all of the spiritual health of the people who are incarcerated. And this prison chaplain. That's an, that's an interesting angle. Yeah. So it actually, um, they are a lot of times the people who are coordinators for the volunteers. Like they're the contact. Um, it could be that they have more space in their schedule. The prisons are um, definitely understaffed. All people who are in prison leadership, like, they have a really, really hard job. Um, and so I think that it could be that the prison chaplain is, is really the best go-to point because they are coordinating with the volunteers. Um, and she was great. Um, I went down right away. I met with her and one of the wardens. Um, and we got set up with a yoga program down at one prison in South Georgia. It's a men's prison. And then I kept wanting to um, expand and get into different prisons. And so we actually got connected with um, one of my, you mentioned Ron Farmer earlier. He's a board member for Live Free Yoga. And then another board member, her name is Tucker Mahoney. She is a member of um, the Cathedral of St. Philip. So Tucker Mahoney, one of our board members, is a member of the Cathedral at St. Philip. And they have had a prison ministry going on for a while now. And um, so I actually tagged along with them to teach yoga classes as a part of their programming. Because what I found, like you kind of said, is like, how do you even get in to teach these classes? Like, it isn't easy. Um, it isn't easy to connect with the prison leadership. It isn't easy to get in. Um, and so I found that the prison chaplain and also like piggybacking on other organizations who are already hosting programs has been the best way to get in. And so that's a prison in North Georgia, um, a women's prison that um, we were working in teaching classes. And so now all of the... Um, Prisons were not allowed to go into because of COVID. 
We are sending video classes, like video recorded classes, to a couple of prisons that have that type of technology so they're able to practice. And so what I've been working on mostly during COVID, um, well, a couple of different things, but we've had a couple of really exciting things happen. Um, like I mentioned, it isn't easy to get into prisons. And um, we had this like miraculous call from um, a man who is in charge of progressive programs for Georgia prisons. So things we've never tried before that we could try within our prison system, our correction system. Um, and he called me on a Monday morning and he said, Georgia Dean, we want Live Free Yoga to come and launch at our prison here. It's called Metro Reentry. Um, in, it's in the Atlanta area. It's a men's facility. And they are providing programs that help rehabilitate and decrease recidivism is, is the main goal. So just making sure that the people who leave the facility are not coming back, that it's a one-way door, not a revolving one. Um, because the sad truth is that the majority of our prison um, population ends up back in prison after they're released within nine years. Um, Two-thirds of the population is back in the prison within nine years. Yeah, so this isn't something that was just affecting my brother with him continuing to reoffend and get rearrested. This is something that's happening to anybody who becomes involved with the system. Once you have one interaction with the system, you are likely to have another interaction with the system. Um, and part of that is that being involved with the system is deeply traumatic in and of itself. Like imagine being- And just layer that on top of whatever you've dealt with prior in your life. Exactly. It's like stacking trauma on trauma. And and so this man, Charles Hines, he's like a unicorn within the Department of Corrections. Like, I just want everybody to know this guy's name because he's amazing. Um, and he was, so he called and he said, hey, like, we're ready to welcome you in. Once COVID is lifted, I will do everything to help support you in carrying out this program here. And then once we finished the program here, we are happy to help you expand to other prisons in Georgia. Um, and so that was really the best news. And that came right at the one year anniversary of the organization. And what's so funny is like I had sent probably like hundreds of emails to Charles Hines. Like I had reached out so many times to this guy. But, you know, it's 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 about timing. And. And the other thing that came through right at the exact same time as Charles Hines is we received a grant from Lululemon. Um, so we were we are a here to be partner with Lululemon, and here to be is um, Lululemon's uh, social impact program where they invest in nonprofits that are using movement and mindfulness to disrupt inequity. And, and so Lululemon is our partner and they have funded our first teacher training completely. So, um, wow. so all of the pieces starting to come together. Now I'm just waiting for COVID to get through. And because I can't sit still for too long, um, I started launching some programs that I can carry out outside of the prison. Because like we were talking about earlier, the people who are affected by incarceration doesn't stop at the person who's arrested. It's the family and the children too. 
Just like you experienced as a young girl and your brother. Exactly. And the community that is facing um, higher amounts of incarceration. So our communities that are impoverished, our communities that are more black, our black communities. Um, so we have two programs running right now. Um, one is a yoga program for teens who have incarcerated parents. So we do a weekly yoga class with that crew. Um, and the goal is to build resilience. So the ability to overcome trauma is our resilience, our ability to like grow after something challenging or, you know, make it through something challenging is our resilience. And so we're working with them on that and that I'm teaching those classes and it's been um, really incredible to be with those teens. What are you seeing from them? I mean, first of all, do you share your story and where they can see, hey, she can relate to where we are or is it um, just what what's it been like? I do share a little bit of my story so that they understand part of why I'm there is that I can empathize in a way that maybe somebody else can't. Um, and that I also recognize that there's a big need. Um, and it's really the focus is less on any type of conversation and more about getting the teens in their bodies that embodiment piece. Because like I said, when we experience a traumatic situation, we disassociate from our bodies. And when we can bring the person back into their, and I know that just might sound um, a little bit, I don't know, hard to understand, right? That we disassociate from our bodies when we experience trauma. But think about if, you're tr if your body is not a safe place to be in, the best way to cope with that is to leave your body. And if you're living in trauma, your body, where you are, is not safe to be in, and you just try and get out of it in any way you can. Um, anyway, so most of what our sessions are about are just connecting the teens with their breath, with their physical body, um, talking to them about emotional regulation and how we can notice when we're feeling triggered, talking to them about trauma and what, what that um, can look like and feel like, because that type of understanding can help them see and understand their own experience. You know, if they know like this is what trauma is and this is how it can manifest, they can recognize maybe what's going on within themselves and then know okay, I can go to my yoga tools to help me deal with this. Um, so it's been, it's been really sweet to be a part of that. What have you, give me an example of uh, what you've seen with the teens. I've seen a teen, for instance, who wouldn't talk to me at all or make eye contact or engage um, at the start of a yoga class, you know, feel like that where she can't engage, can't make eye contact, um, is really cut off, you know, almost like as if nobody's there. And then at the end of the class, be able to smile at me, look me in the eyes and, you know, express 
how she's feeling. And that is what it's all about, you know, um, is seeing that shift. And it's amazing that this ancient practice that, you know, people have been doing for so long can help bring that about in just 45 minutes, you know, it's that connection with ourselves and, and feeling what's going on within ourselves that um, can really change how we move through the world. For the prisons that, um, and I know that that's kind of on hold right now because of uh, COVID, but when you were in the prisons and uh, you were doing the instruction um, or the sessions, I mean, what did that look like feel like what was the um because this this had to be so different from anything else that they do on a day-to-day basis and so what was that like um you know it's it's funny because a lot of times when people i think that you're right it was so different than anything that they had ever done um, no one in the room had ever, like any time I've gone in, nobody in the room has ever tried yoga before. And it seems like such a weird thing. Um, and so a lot of times they'd start like feeling kind of goofy and like goofing off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we'd feel like uh, almost like deflecting from learning because of wanting to goof off. And what I always find is that just like with the teens, somebody can start in an emotional situation where they're goofing off and they're kind of disconnected or trying to deflect and then end up, you know, lying in um, a restorative position on their back. So just lying down and breathing. So it can bring somebody out of that type of like resistance and into a state of peace. Yeah. I mean, teaching in a prison is very different than teaching anywhere else. That's for sure too. Um, in that you're like in a small room and you go through a million doors and. Is it emotional for you to even be there given, you know, what you know that your dad experienced and what your brother has been through? I do my best when I'm teaching to, yes, the answer is yes, for sure. And I do my best when I'm teaching to breathe through whatever type of emotion I'm experiencing and kind of set that aside so that I can have a clear space for anybody who um, is in the class. Because really what the goal is when I'm teaching anywhere and the goal of, you know, yoga teachers everywhere is to hold a safe space for people to get into their bodies. And if I am too consumed with my own emotions, it's really hard for me to do that. Um, And so because of that, I have to factor in other parts of my days and times where I am taking time to process my own trauma and my own emotions. Um, I take like mental health days to help me um, be clear enough to have that, hold that space for other people. And when I don't, when I'm not feeling strong enough, I can't, I can't do it. 
Well, when we had connected um, a couple weeks ago, you had talked about the instructor training that you were working on. Um, and so that might be um, more evolving given uh, that where we are with COVID, but can you talk a little bit about that? Because I was pretty fascinated by that, that you were going to help them, you know, do some, you know, what, get a certification or uh, what, just, just talk a little bit about that. We have a yoga empowerment program that we're launching in prisons and that will be starting at Metro Reentry. And what this is, is a 200-hour yoga teacher certification program. Wow. So we're not just teaching people to do yoga. We're teaching people to be yoga teachers. And part of that, um, part of what we've embedded in there um, are some mental health, like soft skills. We have a therapist, that an LPC, that is coming in to teach some modules. Um, advocacy training to help people also learn how to speak up for themselves and advocate for themselves, which can be really hard for a trauma survivor. Um, so we have an, a former public defender coming in to lead that. Um, and then also entrepreneurial skills, teaching people that they can start a business. How do you get an LLC? How do you make a website? How can you use um, your community and tools to build your your brand and 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 start to market yourself as a yoga teacher or whatever they might want to market themselves as if they don't feel like going into yoga in the end. Um, and this is because we are trying to decrease recidivism. We want people to be rehabilitated and and um, and get out and stay out and live free. And um, the yoga piece, the actual movement and mindfulness is, is taking care of self-rehabilitation and, and helping people recover from their trauma, their addictions. And the entrepreneurial piece is helping people to have the skills to run a business so they have a job when they get out, you know. Um, and the advocacy skills, helping people to change the unfriendly laws that affect um, people who have been incarcerated. Um, and also change unfriendly laws that may be targeting um, different groups differently. Uh, so, you know, the laws that are putting black people behind bars at a higher, faster rate than white people or giving black people sentences that are longer than the sentences given to white people. So we want to empower the incarcerated community with advocacy skills to get out and fight against that. Um, and then the mental health piece, because we know that that um, that's an important part of this, too. Um, and they have a 200-hour yoga teacher certificate. So it is a full-on training that's accredited by Yoga Alliance, um, where they could go and teach at a studio, or they could teach private classes. They could... Um, it's a growing industry uh, of... of, of teachers. And so um, I think it could be really great. And it's never been done before. So well, you are groundbreaking for sure. That is, and it sounds like you have a, um, Mr. Charles Hines, it sounds like you have a great um, champion here to help, um, help you get that off of the ground. And so, you know, I love to hear just about, you know, innovative and creative ways that people approach um, different social issues in the world. And um, well, I mean, it's just incredible that that you've come up with this. And 
I am sure that it is really going to take off. Thank you so much, Polly. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about it. And another thing that we're planning on looking at doing um, during COVID is actually starting a teacher training, a yoga teacher training, much like our yoga empowerment program that we do behind, we're planning on doing behind bars um, in a community of Atlanta that is um, disproportionately affected by incarceration. So, and also for people who have had any system involvement that are not currently incarcerated. So it's a way that we can start our programming now, um, despite COVID restrictions, if that makes any no, sense. Yeah, no, of, uh, absolutely. It absolutely yeah. does. Chance to like work out any kind of kinks that um, might be mm-hmm. there before we get behind um, the prison walls where it's much more difficult to carry anything out. Um, and so that is something that we're planning to launch in the spring. Um, and I'm really excited about that. Well, you're just incredible. And I love your um, heart for others and, and, you know, how you're seeing the, the uh, great opportunity that um, others can have and helping them to create a better life for themselves. And that's all about what Stories Connect People podcast is about. Thank you so much, Polly. Absolutely. Well, if our listeners wanted to follow all of the great work that you're doing, connect with you, um, or uh, help support the work that you're doing, um, tell us how they do that. Awesome. Um, yes. So our website is livefreeyoga.org. And if they're on Instagram, we're livefreeyoga.org on Instagram. Um, we also host a weekly meditation Um, and yoga practice online right now on Zoom every Wednesday morning from 8 to 8.30. Um, And it's completely donation-based so that um, an offering for the community so anybody can join um, because we think that everybody has experienced and is experiencing hardship and that these yoga tools are are helpful for us all. Um, So people could also join us for that. The information to join is on our website. And I will connect to all of that in my show notes as well. Um, Georgia, I'm so glad that my uh, friend, uh, Ron Farmer, connected us and that he's on the board of such a great organization, Live Free Yoga. And it was so nice to meet you. Um, I feel like we connected just right away. And so... Um, You have a beautiful spirit, and I know that um, it absolutely shows through to the teens and the the inmates that you're helping. Um, So you are a beautiful, beautiful soul. (laughs) Oh, man. Likewise. We all are. So thank you again for your time, Georgia, and being on Stories Connect People podcast. Thank you, Polly. Thank you for listening to Stories Connect People podcast. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe, listen, rate, or share with others. I look forward to being with you next time on Stories Connect People podcast.